Are you wanting more Totally Mackinac Island podcast? Well, here's how you can get it. Be sure to follow Totally Mackinac Island podcast on Instagram. Not only do I share everything that I talk about on the podcast, but then throughout the rest of the week, I share other invaluable information that is actually going on on the island at that very moment. How that is done, up in my Instagram stories. I also like to share a bunch of pictures and videos that I have taken throughout my visit on the island. Another great way for more information about the podcast is always go to the blog. There I have all the links available for everything I have discussed. That is www.totallymackinaw.com. If you go on there, you will find everything I have ever discussed on the podcast, how you need to link up to it, and what other information you can have. As always, thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys have learned so much. I love sharing all that I can with you. It has actually even helped me learn more about the island. And I always appreciate those reaching out to give me more information to share with everyone else. Now back to the show. Located on the crystal blue waters of Lake Huron lies Mackinac Island. She is tucked in between Michigan's upper and lower peninsulas. Indulge me as I share all the ins and outs of the place that stole my heart. This is totally Mackinac Island. Hello everyone and welcome to Totally Mackinac Island. I'm your host, Heather. And um, I'm excited to share this week's um, podcast with you because no doubt whenever you visited Mackinac Island, you have seen a lot of these sites that I'm going to discuss today. And I wanted to give a little bit of history about some of them. And as always, I used uh, MackinawIsland.org. I know I've discussed this, that when you go there, up in the top hand le left-hand corner, you're going to see three dashes. Underneath there, you're going to see blog. This is where you are gonna find invaluable information and that's where I found some stuff that I have shared with you guys for some of the bonus episodes that I've recorded this summer. So today we are gonna be talking about some of the rock formations on the island and some of the history. And this first one that I'm gonna talk about, I actually uh, didn't know about this until I did the carriage ride. So finding that out and then finding this on the blog was I feel an added bonus. So. If you, again, have not taken the Mackinac Island Carriage Tour, I highly encourage you to do that. There you're going to be able to see quite a few things and the history that they do give you. And they do allow you, of course, to ask questions. So if there's anything you might hear on here that you're like, I would like to know a little bit more about that, definitely use them. And if they can't, then they will probably, excuse me, probably be able to steer you in the correct direction for that. All right, so this one is from a particular blog post, and this is Mackinac Island Stories from the Past, Lover's Leap. And it was first published in um, February 12, 2020. All right, so, Lover's Leap. As the story goes, a young woman sat atop the cliff, eagerly awaiting the return of her lover. He had gone with the tribe's other warriors to battle to prove he was worthy of marrying her. Each day, she trained her eyes on the horizon, looking for any sign of him. One day, the maiden spirit rose when she saw specks on the water far in the distance. As they approached and became larger, she recognized them as the war canoes of her tribesmen. Her heart jumped in her chest with joy. But as the boats came with an earshot of the young woman, she heard a chant rising from the men, a song of lament for the dead. Desperately, she scanned the canoes for the man she would marry. 
Slowly, she was gripped by the realization that the one who had died was hers. Pining to be with her lover, the heartbroken woman leapt from the cliff to join him in death. Centuries later, a limestone crop outcropping some 145 feet above the water on the southwest shore of Mackinac Island maintains the name Lover's Leap in remembrance of the young woman's tragic end. It is one of many unique rock formations on Mackinac Islands that's stuff of legend. Typical of other surviving limestone formations on Mackinac Island, Lover's Leap emerged as the surrounding lake water, which used to be much higher, receded to its current level. Crashing waves washed softer rock and soil away, leaving a spire of limestone in the wake. To this day, Lover's Leap offers a wonderful illustration of Mackinac Island's unique geology as it rises above the trees along M185. It also represents the mythical charm that makes Mackinac Island such a romantic place. Throughout Mackinac Island's four square miles of natural beauty are extraordinary limestone formations that have captivated people's imaginations and moved their hearts. For generations, these days make a one-of-a-kind selfie spots that you don't want to miss. Of course, the most iconic natural feature on Mackinac Island is Arch Rock. The limestone was hollowed out by eons ago because of Lake Huron, which now sits 145 feet below and presents a picturesque backdrop of blue bright water framed by a 50 foot wide arch. Native American legends view Arch Rock as a bridge to the afterlife or as a bridge for the spirits to descend upon the earth. Sugarloaf is a limestone stack rising 75 feet out of the middle of Mackinac Island. It's a popular stop for bikers and hikers who venture into Mackinac Island's interior. Far from nearby Point Lookout, the rock surrounded by green forests with blue waters in the distance makes for an incredible photo op. Okay, so if you aren't quite sure where Sugarloaf is, it is, um, you take um, Fort Holmes Road down and you'll see, if you're following the map, a road kind of off of that. And it's, I believe it's called Lookout Point Road. And that's going to take you to it. I would highly encourage you to go check that out. Especially if you've made that hike up to Fort Holmes. You might as well check out Sugarloaf while you're there. Because it is kind of incredible. To be honest, I've never actually seen um, the Sugarloaf up, up close. Like I've never walked up to it. I've only seen it in the distance. So that will be something I'm doing in the fall. Um, so I'm going to give you a little bit of history of Sugarloaf, all right? Covering 3.8 square miles, Mackinac Island is relatively small. One of the joys of visiting the island is being able to ride the bike all around it. But what is now Mackinac Island, it used to be much, much smaller. The land at one time was almost entirely covered by water. Then, as the ancient glacial Lake Algonquin receded and formed current Great Lakes, Mackinac Island emerged. To this day, rising 75 feet up out of Mackinac Island Forest is a tower of rock called Sugarloaf. It is the tallest limestone stack on the island, very likely formed into a spire as the high waters of Lake Alagaquin, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong, drained away and eroded the surrounding rock. At least that's what the geological record says. But there is another story that explains the existence of Sugarloaf. One told centuries ago by Native Americans who revered in Mackinac Island as a sacred place. Author Dirk Gingris recounted the tale in his love, Lore of the Great Turtle book, published by the Mackinac Island State Park Commission in 1970. Here's the summary. 
Legend has it that Sugarloaf was the dwelling of Gitche Manitou, the great spirit. But according to the tale retold by Gringus, the rock was created instead by Manabuzo, a part human, part divine messenger of the great spirit who, in his old age, retired to Mackinac Island. As the story goes, ten young men from far away embarked on a journey to find Manabuzu in hopes he would grant each of them a special wish. After many months, the men arrived at the sacred island that looked like a sleeping turtle, and they found the old man living out his final days. One by one, each of the men asked him to bestow them an extraordinary gift. The first asked to be made into a great war chief, for example, and the second into a hunter of unrivaled skill. The others wished to become a more powerful medicine man or a strong dancer, a gifted orator or a captivating storyteller, the best looking, the most athletic or the most talented craftsman. For the first nine men, he granted their wishes. Then the last young man approached and asked for eternal life. Monobuzu became angry at the quest for the one gift can no mortal have, and he pointed his pipe at the man. The tenth young man suddenly grew larger, and his features turned into this towering sugar loaf, where he remains to this day. Can you re can when you look at sugar loaf, you're supposed to be able to see the profile of his face in the rock. Next, another stone um, carving that, or feature on Mackinac Island that we have is Devil's Kitchen. The legend attributed to Devil's Kitchen, where bad spirits are said to have cooked and eaten men, may seem far-fetched, but inside of the cave really is blackened out soot as if from a fire. A lot of photos are taken here because it's right along M185 as, a rural, as the road circles Mackinac Island. I'm going to pause for a real quick break. Simple delights for home and heart. Little Luxuries of Mackinac Island is filled with home goods, unique gifts, Michigan-made items, and so much more. It's a one-stop gift shop you do not want to miss while visiting Mackinac Island. If you're not making the trip to Mackinac, shop online in the comfort of your home for all your favorite little luxuries at littleluxuriesofmackinac.com. Okay, welcome back. I was um, going to go into more of the story of Devil's Kitchen, and in doing so, I need to be sure that I give you the correct information on who this is from, because I did not dig this up. There was a link on the MackinawIsland.org blog page that took me to this. It was under WordPress, which is actually where I do my blog through, and it's Michigan in Pictures. From there, they have a link that is going to take me into the story of Devil's Kitchen, and uh, this is of local native legends, one of the stories that is told. This is a story of the location known as Devil's Kitchen, a sea cave on the west shore of Mackinac Island. According to the story, I've read about this site, two different versions of it. Okay, now mind you, this is not from me. Okay, this is from the author Tehutis. All right, so here we go. A long time ago, an old man Akiwasi was left behind on Mackinac Island when the rest of the tribe departed for winter hunting grounds on the mainland. Left behind with him with his young granddaughter, Willow Want, and the old man greatly upset that she too would have to remain with him since they had no canoe to which to escape the island. Still, Willow Want had refused to leave the old man behind since he was blind and couldn't fend for himself, but her decision pained him. 
you should have returned with them to the mainland because Kiwani will seek you out there, he told her, referring to his beloved. Willowan shook her head. I'd left a white deer skin with vermilion spots upon the cliff, she said. The fishermen will see it, and Kiwani will come see us and rescue us. That having been done, they moved upon the cliff projecting from the side of the bluff to live upon until they should be res rescued. This cliff and the cave upon it were just above the cave known as Devil's Kitchen. For in this cave lived the Red Gibis, who were cannibal giants. G the Gibis were known as roast to known, excuse me, they were known to roast and eat humans inside the cave. And so Willow Wan and her grandfather had to remain upon their ledge and out of the Gibis' sight in order to remain safe. Because of this, they could not even go down to the lake for water, even though the shore was just below. They had not been left with much food, and so the old man knew that their time would, there would be rough. As they prepared themselves to place to sleep in front of the upper cave, Willow Wan was startled by the sight of a large black bear coming toward them. Give me your bow and arrows, she yelled to her gr grandfather. I think I can kill it. But Awakasi shook his head. There's room here for all of us, he said. Let her be. As if understanding him, the black bear turned and padded back into the cave, and Willow Wan and her grandfather were left in peace. And so they settled down for the night, the bear inside of the cave, and the two of them out on the ledge. As they did not have much food, Willow Wan did not eat very much at all, and they had no water to sustain them, despite Lake Huron lying just below. Akiwasi remained awake all night listening. Eventually, he heard the horrible laughter of the GB. I don't know if it's GBs or GBs. Maybe GBs. And the terrified screams of their victims being cooked over the fires and was worried they should be dis if any of them should be discovered in their hiding place, he would not be able to defend Willow Wan because he could no longer see. Adding to his troubles was the fact that his granddaughter slept only fitfully, crying out for water as she tossed and turned. He had none to give her without risking their lives to climb down to the lake shore below. He thought of what Willow Wan's mother, his daughter, had just told him before she had died. Willow Wan had inherited a great power from her father, and this power would gain her fame as a prophet and a healer. She would have the power to make springs of pure water appear just by touching the rock, but she could not have this information revealed until she had undergone the fast and become a woman. He wondered if this might be not true at the time, now that she was without food and water. Willowan cried all night of thirst, and for seven days it remained upon the ledge, awaiting the rescue. It broke the old man's heart that his granddaughter should suffer so, yet he hoped she would gain the powers of her mother she had told for long ago. One day, Willowan finally leapt to her feet and struck her hand against the rock, yelling, Water! As soon as she did this, a spring of pure water bust forth, and fa her fast was broken as she and her grandfather finally drank. He informed her now of her new powers, and she sat and listened in wonder. He, uh, he ordered her never to use her powers frivolously, to which she agreed. As night came upon them, a stores, storm arose over the lake, and Willow Wan and herself heard the now screams and laughter from the cave below. It was as if a voice called out from nowhere, but bidding her and her grandfather to be aware of danger. Fearful, she leaned over the ledge to see what was happening and caught the sight of the Gibis dragging their captives into the consumed. As she watched the bear come out of the cave and stood beside her, she wasn't afraid of it. It seemed so human that she felt surely it was a person who had been enchanted with its shape. Willowan watched as the carnage below and wondered if she should not try to help these poor people. As soon as she thought this, she saw a familiar face among the victims soon to be 
gasped. It was Kiwani. Willow Wand immediately jumped to her feet. Her grandfather tried to stop her, but for sure she could, the bear spoke in his ear. Do not worry about her, it said. He is immediately known that this was her mother, his daughter, in bear form. She has her power now and will make great use of it. Just watch. The bear then turned and left. The two of them were left on their own. Willow Wand saw how close Kiwani was to the mouth of the devil's kitchen and how he might escape if given the chance. As such, she started laughing loudly and mocking, hoping to distract the Gibis from the task. They all glanced up in, at her in surprise. Immediately, their chief recognized her as the bear of great power, which he himself wished to possess. He quickly disguised himself as an enemy warrior and by magic appeared upon the ledge beside her, demanding her hand in marriage. Willow Wan merely laughed at him again. I see right through your disguise. Be gone, she snapped, and the infuriated Gibi chief so much that he leapt over the ledge, intent on jumping down and taking her with him. Just as he jumped into the air, however, Willow Wan struck her fist against the rock. Water! And a great gush of water shot out, striking the Gibi and flinging him down into the cave below. The water gushed through the devil's kitchen and drenched the fires, though the rest of the Gibis did not try their hardest to rekindle them. Kinwani was trapped below, trying to seek his way up the cliff, so Willow Wan sent out a rainbow mist to help him. When he made it up to her, she cut his bonds and gave him a pipe to smoke with her grandfather, then descended to Devil's Kitchen herself to finish the task she had started. While he, while they above her smoked, she busied herself in the cave, grabbing and hold the hold of the rest of the Gibis and tossing them in the lake so they drowned, putting out the rest of their cooking fires. It was nighttime by the time she had finally finished and returned the weary ledge where she reappeared to her grandfather and greatly granted Kiwani her hand in marriage. Kiwani, for his part, related to what had happened to him and how he had ended up in such a precarious state. I found you were not among the rest of the tribe, so I came to the island looking for you and saw the deer skin upon the cliff. When the storm arose, my canoe sank, and I thought I would surely drown if not um, a strange pair of moccasins appeared floating on the water. I put my feet in them, but before I knew it, they had transported me here in the cave. Willowan, in turn, told her of her own powers. They had no way to get return to the mainland, but they now knew that the Red Gibis were no more, and they were free to leave the ledge, gather whatever food and water they needed from the island, and they remained there. In spring, when the tribe returned, they found the old man, his granddaughter, and her husband still living, now in Devil's Kitchen itself. They had used the fire once used for the Gibis themselves, and when they consumed human flesh on their own fires. Now that the Gibis had been killed, there was nothing more to fear in the cave. Thus ended the reign of terror and the cannibal giants of Mackinac Island. For years, driftwood has been found in Devil's Kitchen, and even to this day, there are still black marks upon the roof where they caused by the Gibis cooking fires. According to an old book I have read, there was and is a cave located above Devil's Kitchen. It was once called Fenwick's Cachet. There, yes, there are many springs on the island, for one which, wishing spring, was all well known and located right above Devil's Kitchen itself, but no longer accessible to the public. So there you have it. That is the information that they have given you about Devil's Kitchen. Some of the other um, interesting rocks on the island are Friendship's Altar, Eagle Point Cave, Cave in the Woods, Crack in the Island, Sugar Loaf, Skull Cave, Arch Rock, Robinson's Folly, Devil's Kitchen, 
and Sunset Rock, which I think I just said. But the fact that this little island still houses so many of these is fascinating. And I will try to go into detail a little bit more about some of the other features that I can find out about on the island. I want to apologize if I pronounced any of those words wrong because it was not exactly easy to say for some of them, but found it very interesting. I hope you did as well. So there you have it this week's episode. I look forward to talking to you next time about our favorite place, Mackinac Island. Totally Mackinac Island is written, produced, and edited by me, Heather. wanted to go to Mackinac Island but you aren't even sure where to begin? No problem. Go to MackinawIsland.org. Here is the tourism page where you are going to find out all the information that you could ever want to know about Mackinac Island. You will get things to do and see, places to stay, restaurants and nightlife, how to plan your trip, island events, and all about exploring Mackinac. So be sure and go check out MackinawIsland.org for everything you need to know about the little gem located on Lake Huron.